Hello everybody, it is the time of year to begin registering for one or two of my slow groups that begin in July. My slow groups are these special groups where I focus on one topic and we deeply unpack it over the course of six months. So these are highly nuanced, deep dive, advanced groups. These are excellent for those of you who have taken my six week course or who just want to focus on one particular topic through a somatic and trauma-informed lens. The two that are opening up in July, or will begin in July, are my embodied parenting group and my embodied nutrition group. The embodied parenting group is just like it sounds, learning how to parent from your body, learning how to ground yourself in your parenting so you're not parenting from a reactive triggered place, but from a much more conscious place so you can actually find joy in your parenting instead of it being a total hellscape, like some of you have told me it is, and I've experienced it myself. The other group is an embodied nutrition group. This has been requested for years. For the past four years after students complete my course, they say, can you please do a course on nutrition and make it longer than six weeks? So finally, I can say, yes, you can, and I can, and I did. It is a six-month unpacking of the intersection between trauma nutrition, and somatics. How do we recover from stress and trauma via food? How do we relate to food as a being and not just some object on the plate? What's the biochemistry of food? Why is it not the best for my blood sugar to have toast, but lentils are just fine if they're both carbohydrates? All of this and more will be unpacked in this six-month group. To register for these groups, please go to my website, holisticlifenavigation.com, and click Groups or you can click the link in the episode details below. Registration closes on June 1st. It is only open through May because we need the month of June to prepare everybody for July. I'm looking forward to this deep dive with you all. I'll see you there. On today's episode, I am joined by Asha Frost, an Ojibwe medicine woman who teaches us about essentially unconditional love. As a whole, I think things like drumming, things like dancing, things that are actually trying to shake those, shake that trauma out of our body, being in our bodies, you know, not all of us do those things anymore, but I think that that is just an inherent, like intuitive way of trying to move some of that out of our being and bodies. Welcome to the Holistic Life Navigation Podcast. I am your host, Luis Mojica. I was sick and depressed until I discovered that I could make music, and then my whole life transformed because I began learning how to listen more deeply. Listen to life, to the people around me, and to my body. And that's when I realized the body speaks through sensations, and learning this new language meant relearning my body and mind. I soon healed myself of many chronic conditions and then began teaching others how to do so as well. Holistic Life Navigation combines nutrition, self-inquiry, and somatic experiencing to help you release stress and trauma just by listening to your own body. This podcast serves as a place to share my experiences as well as the experiences of many others who have healed and are healing through unique, unorthodox, and unusual ways. Your time to learn begins now. I found Asha's uh, posts on Instagram by mistake one time, 
And I think what came across immediately through them was her ability to just see no enemy. And it's something I'm always attracted to. Um, all of my my teachers, my closest friends, my colleagues, I just love human beings that have worked with the constructs in their mind that tell them they're supposed to oppose someone or see someone as bad. And for someone who descends from an indigenous bloodline, um, she has plenty of reasons to have negative opinions on many people and things in the modern world. Her people experienced extreme cultural traumas through residential schools in Canada and colonization and being severed from their land and their traditions and their language and even one another. Um, I find that her ability to just see everyone as equal and essentially innocent with a heart is so inspiring and she's the kind of teacher I love to learn from and speak to. So I was really excited when she wanted to come on, well, actually when I asked her to come on and she said, yes, I was very excited. And I think, you know, the many things we talk about here, uh, the piece about cultural trauma that's important to understand is how cultural trauma essentially happens when some part of your culture experiences a rupture. And in this case, when we talk about indigenous peoples on Turtle Island, North America, um, we understand that the rupture was uh, the first contact when the colonizers or the colonials came over from Europe and decided that the way these native peoples were living weren't the right way to live. So they had their hairs cut. They were given um, specific clothing to wear. They were taught English. They weren't allowed to speak their language or drum or sing their songs or use their medicine. And if you think about what that means, it means the thousands of years of listening and relating and of intel intelligence and intuition, thousands of years of that that turned into their very rich culture was suddenly taken from them. So they no longer had access to healing themselves or listening to themselves. Many were thrown onto land that couldn't even grow certain foods or they were moderated for how much they could grow. That's a major cultural trauma where a whole culture experienced threat and a severance from their, their safety, their source of connection, which for them was the land and their practices. So we talk about cultural trauma in this episode and how she continues to heal from it herself and how she works with others. And I think what really struck me is how she mostly works with people who identify as white and how many of them will join her circles for healing uh, cultural trauma or uh, adapting or learning indigenous ways. And she sits with them without any... Um, Hmm. dominance over them. No shame, no guilt, no blame. She sees them as innocent and new, and she sees them with the ability to learn these ways so they can get in touch with their own bodies and relate to the land and the people and beings around them. And it's a very, it's a gorgeous approach, and it can be controversial in some circles. 
because some of us believe that we shouldn't share traditions and we should stay very segregated in in medicines and songs and cultures. And that's an understandable response when you've had such a cultural trauma that developed from essentially trust. You know, in, in many of the the early accounts and writings, native peoples welcomed uh, Europeans with open arms and um, were betrayed, right? So there's this intergenerational trauma of my openness equals threat and betrayal and pain and death and destruction. And I find that important to understand as we're navigating sharing space with people of different cultures the reality of our world, and it will only continue as we move forward, is we are more mixed than ever. Culturally, individually, we share so many different sacred traditions every day with people without even realizing it. And if we're not sharing those traditions, we're sharing the space, we're sharing the lands. I don't know any other way to create a beautiful experience in this life then opening my heart to somebody who is different than me or opening my heart to someone who doesn't like me. Um, and having that open heart shows them I'm not a threat and invites them to learn how to relate to me. So Ash's work is really about healing relational trauma to the self, to culture, to the collective and to the land. And I'm so happy to have her come and share these these uh, traditions and how she moves through her own pains and triggers when they come up so as not to project onto someone else and become the very thing that she's here to heal. So uh, let's listen to the episode with Asha and I, and maybe we'll be hearing from her again in the future. So Asha, welcome. It's so nice to meet you. Oh, it's so lovely to be here. I've been witnessing all your brilliance on Instagram, and I just, I just love meeting you. I, uh, same here. Um, you know, I, I don't even remember how I came across your work, but I just remember seeing a post, and after I kept reading other posts, and I went to your website, and I just looked into your work. You come across with such a, such a gentle but fierce wisdom, and so kind, and so not shaming, and so open that you're just invited in and you want more. So I thank you for that. It's really special. Thank wanna, you. How do you want to introduce yourself? Like, how do you want to tell us where you're from and who you are and what you do, what you believe in? Well, I'll introduce myself traditionally. My spirit name is Healing Rainbow Woman. My, my clan is Crane Clan and I'm from Cape Croker First Nation. And right now I'm on the lands of the Anishinaabe, Haudenosaunee, and Huron-Wendat peoples. Mm. And I think that when I introduce myself in that way, I feel like um, we're, we're connecting spirit to spirit. Mm. So that's, um, I hope that awakens um, an understanding of who I am, even though you don't understand the language. But I really love to connect spirit to spirit and heart to heart. That is probably the core of my work um, and the core of my intention of my work. I, I, I mean, from a work perspective, I was a practicing homeopath and medicine person for 15 years at a private practice and then started doing more sort of online global circles and offering medicine to a greater audience in that way. 
Um, but I'd say like my love is still doing one, one-on-one connection in that way. It really lights me up and, um, it helps to keep me going. So, um, as a mentor for other healers, um, ceremony for folks who want to kind of dive deep into their own healing work, because that has been my best way to uncover the treasures and wisdom within. Mm. You know, as you were introducing yourself traditionally, I could feel it in my heart. And I think that's what's so magical about, um, I think where maybe where our work intersects is there, there is this language of the land that I think everybody know, everybody knows how to speak. And I think the mind is perhaps where things get conditioned and where things get um, constructed. And so when I'm in front of you and my body is open to these vibrations coming out of you through your gorgeous lamp language from your land and your lineage, I can, something in my body recognizes it because we're all related. And I want to know what that means to you. How do you experience that? I love that so much. I guess it always comes to me as a vision. So what I see as you're speaking is I almost see the roots of our energies going down through our feet and then connecting to one another. And I think because that is something that I guess if we're able-bodied, it's not true for everyone, um, but it's something we can even imagine perhaps that our feet are connected to the land and the earth. Um, And then we all can have that experience of of having that connection to, as we say, you know, we are connected to all beings and all of our kin and our kin tend to be rooted um, on the earth as well. The ones that we communicate with the trees, the plants, Um, you know, we do have the sun and the stars, but they do bring their beautiful energy and medicines down to the land. So I I understand that vibrational, I tend to work in energetic vibrational um, (laughs) understandings a lot in my life. I think being um, a self-identified sensitive empathic being that's that tends to be how I understand the world so I don't know if it's common for everyone but definitely whenever I hear my language spoken I I get tears because it brings me home to some sort of belonging that I can't really explain I'm curious um you know I've worked with indigenous peoples and I've listened to a lot of a lot of podcasts and documentaries and teachings just to kind of soak in the wisdom of the land and these different gorgeous lineages, you know, thousands of years of listening is how I see it, of of peoples who just listened and observed, and then it went into their bodies and their children's bodies. And one thing that, that I think really moves me is how much native language comes from the land itself, right? Like I've, I've heard things like the, the words for snow came from the way it sounded when your feet were coming out of the snow. And I I just wonder for you, what is culture in terms of how it relates to land? Is it it 100% the land? I mean, Mm -hmm. how do you experience culture from your lineage? Oh my goodness, that's such a, it's a big question because so much of that has been broken. So yes, from my understanding, you know, even the animal sounds, that's like makwa's bear that we'd hear, we'd hear the bear saying makwa, makwa, that's what it would sound like. So that's what the name was for that animal. Mm. Um, but for me, it's about reclamation because so much of that was broken through residential school trauma, um, which is very heavy in my own lineage. So I think every day is like a small baby step towards that understanding, but something that I feel like has been inside of my bones and blood since I've come here in this incarnation is 
that understanding of my, my body as land. Um, there's something that's just inherent in me that feels like there's that oneness that just has come with me in this, in this lifetime. But I think that unweaving the colonizer energy out of, um, out of my body, out of my bones, out of my blood and waters, um, is, is just a really big journey. So like it, it kind of brings up grief because my connection to the land has been so severed. And I think that every day it's just like a intentional, intentional way of trying to have that relationship again, even though I know it's there in my bones. So you, you said so many beautiful things, the last piece, even though I know it's there in my bones, like I feel chills because that's, that's my experience as well is not, you know, I'm mixed, mixed ethnicities, many in my blood, many lands, right, have converged in my blood. And so when I was growing up, I felt that same, um, the, the animism and the natural indigenous philosophies were just always moving through me, but I had no words for them. Um, my grandfather who descended from a Taino, in Puerto Rico, he he never talked about it. It was so shamed because of the cultural trauma there. It wasn't until he was 92 that he actually said, we're Taino. And so it was like always in my body, but only in the last two years I've had any actual context and been able to start reclaiming some of that with some elders that I work with. When you say it's in my body, right? Like the, that land is still in your body, even though there isn't the context, how do you experience that? I wonder, how do you feel that? Or what's that like for you? Oh, goodness. I mean, when I go to my home territory, that feeling of home that you just can't explain, even though that's not where I grew up, that's not where I was born. But moving into the waters is an example. Water is such medicine for me. I move into the waters of the Georgian Bay and I feel healed. I just feel reconnected. And it feels like my ancestors are all standing there waiting to welcome me. Um, so actually being on my home territory um, is a very visceral experience and very real experience. But when I'm here on the lands that I'm here on right now, I think it's through different um, different experiences like paying, paying close attention to the sensations of my body, um, my dream time, my visions, my, and that can happen just me taking a walk around the neighborhood. I can start to sort of feel, um, see, sense, um, just, I guess, bringing my awareness to those things that aren't the mind, right? To those things that aren't sort of the way that the colonizer has told me what is the best way to show up in the world, which I think that we're all moving through in certain ways, right? Like I, I believe, and I think I also have shown up as a healer for, for two decades. So I think, and especially as a homeopath, we're, we're concerned about the sensations, like how is that for you? You know, how is that? How does that feel for you? What's it like for you to experience that? That is my first, like, that's a really huge lens for me to see someone when they're in front of me. So I also live from that place myself. Um, that really, it's kind of like a sacred understanding of what, what is coming forward in all of those moments throughout our day. And it takes consciousness, I believe. I'm just, uh, yeah, I just love that. I'm just kind of soaking that in for a moment. Because I, I like that you say, just noticing the sensations in your body in a, with a simple activity like walking around a neighborhood, right? I think it's so profound and so simple, isn't it? You can sit on a rock or you can sit in your car and just look out 
at the land and just notice what your body's doing without the stories. Mm-hmm. And what I always experience is the body is just naturally relating to the land. It doesn't wait for us to, it's already doing that. Yet the the mind, like we're talking about, especially the colonized psyche has different experiences that might dissociate or withdraw you from that. But does that make sense? I'm curious for you. Do you feel like your body just knows what to do already if you just give into that? I do feel that. Um, I mean, oftentimes it wants to drop down. <laughs> oftentimes, like you'll find me in the forest lying flat on the earth because that's, it's like the earth is a magnet pulling me to lie down. So um, I've become really good at listening to what my body needs because I've um, been healing through a chronic illness for a lot of my lifetime. So it's been a practice, but yes, I, I a thousand percent feel that there's magnet. So it's like a magnet pull from all of my kin always asking me to relate in that way, um, whatever way my body is calling for. And it, it holds so much wisdom. All of our bodies do. Um, and I think it's, it, it causes grief to think, I mean, I think from my own lineage that, um, that has been stripped away. And I think for, for a lot of us, it's been stripped away that, that disconnection to the wisdom of our body. I think that's the piece that I'm always so interested in, you know, as a somatic therapist, like the work I do with trauma, it's all about where have you lost the relationship to your body? Because the relationship to our body, it is the relationship to our ancestors, because our bodies are our ancestors, right? And they are the the rocks and soils and air and waters of the lands, you know, they have the memories of, of those lands that were indigenous to each person. And I find that so hopeful and beautiful when I think of cultural trauma. And, you know, when you discuss the residential schools and colonization, that's a cultural trauma. Um, it's a racialized trauma. It's a, it's a, it's a social collective trauma. And I wonder, you know, for you and maybe with your, your lineage and, and your peoples, how do you hold that space for, for grieving or moving through the cultural traumas that you've experienced and your ancestors experienced? Goodness. I think that I think there's so much more support that we need. I think that we need an enormous amount. I see like a huge capacity for us to be able to even look at how traumatic that was. Um, for me, actually, somatic work has been a really important, integral part of my healing journey. So, um, and I would say, you know, as a whole, I think things like drumming, things like dancing, things that are actually trying to shake those shake that trauma out of our body, being in our bodies, you know, not all of us do those things anymore, but I think that that is just an inherent, like intuitive way of trying to move some of that out of our being and bodies. But of course, that's not always accessible now because all of those, many of those things have been broken from us too. So I would say the simple art of um, listening to drums, you know, power of drums to me, just bring like huge tears down my face because it's like that remembering and it's like it calls up that trauma to be released. So that is one way for myself that I feel like trauma comes right up and then can be cleared. Um, even the, the um, ceremonial act of lighting a smudge in the morning, that can do the same thing. You know, I can feel those tears. So I think the remembering of some of our rituals and ceremonies will bring those little bits of remembering that, that brings healing back to, to this. And then if we have that space where it's like, I'm worthy of receiving healing here, I'm going to let it, and I have the capacity to receive this healing. It's going to take up more space than the trauma. 
But I think there's so much work that needs to be done by all of us for that to be a reality for many Indigenous people. When you say that, I think of something else that you've said in a video that I wrote down. Um, Sitting with our pain, our own pain, allows us to build capacity for someone else's pain. And when you talk about the collective healing around, um, I, I would say specifically, as we're speaking here, the cultural trauma of genocide and colonization on the indigenous peoples of uh, the North American continent, we'll say the Turtle Island, right? I think it's so important to to, to kind of speak to capacity. Because if I, if I have um, the blood of uh, a European colonizer in me, and I'm hearing you talk about your experience and your relative's experience, something in me is going to constrict because I haven't built the capacity to be, not to be blamed for it. I'm a descendant. It wasn't my choice. But to be able to hold both, right? Like, I'm curious if you've ever facilitated those kind of, you know, I don't know if you want to call it a mediation or a healing or what's that like for you? I'm curious how you hold that for others who aren't uh, indigenous to this land. Right. I do that a lot. (laughs) That tends to be a part of my soul's purpose that I didn't actually intentionally choose. But the majority of my audience are um, white um, folks. I'd say mostly those who identify as women. Um, but some, some other folks, but I'd say that has just been my experience. So building that capacity is a huge, it's a huge part of the work. And, um, starting with compassion, I think is like a huge part of the work as well. So when I go into those conversations, we have to check in with our bodies, how much space do you have to have this conversation? Are you even able to take it in? Because I think that, that you're right. Like that's what comes um, defense, pushback, closing down. Like, so just like even leaning back and like checking on your shoulders, like, are they open? Do you even have space in your heart to even hear and take any of this in right now? No blame, no shame. Just that's a question, right? Cause you're, you are where you're at. Um, and I think that that compassion piece in my experience has been everything. The majority of folks in my communities, it's almost like I said, a boundary, like Um, If you want to come in and experience these Indigenous ways of medicines, then we just need to have this conversation and you just need to be open to to exploring it. You don't have to be perfect in any way or be able to do it. Um, We just need to be in right relationship with that in order to have a conversation together. And um, every, I mean, I've had really beautiful experiences where, where people are willing to do that work. So I'm grateful for that. I mean, there's a ton that aren't and won't, but <laughs> it seems that so those boundaries, I guess I've just like worked really hard to set those boundaries now where it's like a container now of brave work that we're doing together. It's amazing because when you're saying the word boundaries, like all I feel from you is love. And um, I see boundaries as very loving, but there are some people that, that set boundaries as like pushing away, which is also a boundary. There's many different ways. I'm just so curious, how did you just, were you just naturally born with like a sense of non-duality where you could sit in a room with people who, you know, ancestrally created a lot of pain for your people or do you get triggered? Like it seems so natural for you. I think it could help a lot of people listening how to sit with quote the opposer or the colonizer or whatever you want to call it and not get triggered. Like, how do you manage that? I love that question. Perhaps it is part of my medicine that I was born with. I'm not sure. And it's not that it's like a, you know, people would say you're bypassing. I I don't, I will feel anger. I will feel, um, I mean, things come across my 
social media feed all the time. Like I read the comments of things, you know, that will stir things up. But for the longest time, what it would stir up is I, I would shake, like I would mm. shake. And until I did some of that somatic work and questioning, why was I shaking? Um, I didn't know where to put that. So that to me would feel like anger, grief, resentment, pain. Um, but then once I started moving it through my body, I understood, okay, this is what this is. So I have the capacity to, to move it out on my own. It doesn't have to leak out in other places to other people. So I guess mm. just be mindful of what is mine, what is not mine, to hold, to carry, to even move through my own system, I think has been huge. Um, but sitting with... I don't know. There's something as you speak about it, like I feel it in my body, like this really open heart, because I think we're going to heal this together. I don't see any other way. So when I sit in circle, that's a very traditional way of, you know, passing an eagle feather and having like a sharing circle. I would pass that feather to a lot of white folks and just feel like, okay, how can we do this together? Mm -hmm. That just might be the way that I think of the world, I guess. But I I do Mm -hmm. feel like that's, that is how we're going to reconcile things. Um, Yeah. I'm so moved by that because I, I, I agree that there's no doubt to me that we're all relatives of the same mother, right? It's like, we're all relatives. Somewhere along the line, this psyche of colonization came in um, within um, white races, right? Within themselves and started creating a segregation within themselves, you know, thousands of years ago that started to say like, no, the land, the land is not good. It's the mind. We want to go to this place of like progress and dominance. That's what we worship. And certain religious ideas compared to the land and our connection to each other. And so when you say that, I think what I find so be and I think from being mixed, it's like in my blood just to love everybody. Because <laughs> I, you know, I've been on many sides of the equation. And I think it's it's a beautiful, we're lucky to have that experience because you are able in your very special way with your medicine. And I'm able to sit in front of people that the constructs have told us are good and bad. Mm-hmm. But to even to even look through that construct is decolonizing, right? To get rid of the construct is decolonizing as the facilitator. Does that make okay? Tell me what that feels yeah, like. It's so interesting because that's become such a buzzword, right? Hashtag decolonize. And <laughs> I think um and I'll, I'll be so honest here. I've struggled over the last couple of years because I will see something and I'm thinking I'm doing it the wrong way because <clears throat> I just don't see it in the same way. I think I, cause what, for me, it's a very visceral ancestral um, visionary experience. I'll see a nun, a priest, a missionary come up in those conversations. And I think you're still being colonial here by, by dividing like this and, and, and sort of being mean to each other or putting each other down. Like it's still somebody saying I have power over and I understand why that happens because there's so much pain and trauma. And I do not want to repeat that pattern. I, I just can't. So there's been a lot of struggle within me thinking, is my heart enough? Is my way the right way? Um, you know, all of those things. I think that just rise up naturally, maybe for other people, maybe other people can relate to that. But I've finally come to this place and I'm thinking, this is my only way. So this is the way that I can be because I can't try to be anything else. I am so moved by that because, again, I really relate. Very parallel experience to thinking you're doing it wrong. 
doing it meaning just loving like it's wrong to love certain people and how that's so colonial <laughs> you know and when i when i think of and i agree that's such a buzzword um i refused to use it for a very long time until i met someone named dr amber mcseal who i've had on my show a couple times and she really put it in the right perspective for me and as we spoke we understood just like you said colonization is is you know, obviously there's the historical events, there's the social structure set up still, there's all these actual physical things, but it starts in the psyche. It starts in this place of dominance versus relationship. I mean, it's that simple. And so when you tell me, uh, when your heart starts closing down to someone and you start opposing or othering them, to me, that's a colonized psyche. And from there could only be the same harm that your people or my, someone else had experienced, Right. And why would we want to perpetrate harm and continue perpetuating it? So I, I love that you have this uh, understanding of, um, I don't want to take on that energy, right, of the colonized mind and of those othering practices. How do people within your tribe, your circles, how do they, how do they feel about that? Is there ever pushback? Is there, uh, what is that like for you? Because it's very pioneering, I have to say. I think so. I mean, um, I've had, I've had comments about those types of things, um, which can be really painful. Um, so I've had to really do a lot of work around that. Like, again, it's just like, I cannot be anything else. Like, this is something that's like, it's almost like a flame in the core of my being of like love. And this is the way I think I get triggered most when somebody's like, well, then you're bypassing this and doing that. And I'm like, but I know I'm not. Like, I know how to dive deep and do this work and be in the shadow and all the things. Oh, but I'm here for unity. Like, that's what I, I really feel. So, um, yes, I think, I mean, if I stay on social media too long <laughs> and I'm <laughs> going through things and I'm reading things and I will start to doubt myself again. So I get pulled out pretty easily. And I want to admit that and be honest because I can, mm. right? work to stay in who I am. Um, but I think there's just so much pain. There's so much pain in this world. I cannot heal at all. So it's like, I know that for a fact, but I see now through the lens of like, this is coming from that colonized mindset or a pain or a trauma that's not being able to have the capacity to heal it or whatever that is. So even having compassion for what I'm seeing there and say, like not judging it or not thinking it's good or bad, just feeling like, okay, this, that's, that's over here and I can't take it on. Um, it's not mine to take mm. on at this moment. Mm. Two things you, you've said a couple of times that I think make me believe that you don't bypass is uh, one way you just said, understanding what's yours and what isn't is huge. And um, when you said earlier, you said it really well, you said, you notice the anger you notice the trigger, you notice the shutdown, you notice the sensations, all those things you notice, you feel them. The difference is you don't react and decide that other person's the cause of it. You go into yourself and you sit with it. That's how I believe you're not bypassing. And that's one of my favorite things to teach in the work that I do. Um, and I don't have a word for that. I, I guess I call, I call it self-attunement. You know, I think we all have a different word. But I think it's this beautiful... Um, uh, ability to distinguish the difference between the situation and what the situation brought up in you and that they are very different. And so if someone walks into one of your sacred circles and does something inappropriate out of innocent ignorance or out of malice, either, either one, you're able to sit with what came up and not become reactive and just the same thing they did to you do back to them. 
And I think that's so magical. And I wonder, again, was that, do you feel like you were born with that? Or does it mean you had to really build? Like, what was that like for you to develop that ability? I think that there was, I mean, the stories of me as a child were just like, um, <laughs> I think I shared this on Instagram once. I won like the Princess of Kindness Award in grade four. And then <laughs> I, my mom just always spoke about my seer abilities and the sensitivity, I think too. It's like seeing seeing the heart of somebody and you can't unsee that. Like to me, when someone sits in front of me, whether it's like a social media relationship or it's, it's still going to the heart and that spirit to spirit connection. And we all have that. So that's really, really important. So I do think that I was born with it, but I, I mean, when something comes, this happens still, right? I'll, I will get triggered or something. It usually lands after I'll have a conversation with somebody. I'll go for a walk and I'll think, Hmm, there's something there that did not feel okay, or it felt harmful. Um, so there is work that has to be done sometimes. And sometimes it means me speaking that out loud to that, to that person in a way that I've already kind of thought about. And I go back in that way. So it's not like, uh, things don't trigger me a lot. <laughs> they do, they do, but it's, I guess it's just, yeah, see, I guess seeing their spirit, I try to sink into that. Sometimes I fail at that, but most times I know that that person has a heart and a spirit. Mm. So that's just a trick for me. That's so, that's so beautiful. You know, we're almost out of time and I could talk to you for a while. Um, I think what's coming up for me is I, I wanted to explore a little bit about, um, and I know I'm, you're probably so tired of hearing about this. So tell me if you are <laughs> like appreciation versus appropriation um, and what that means to you. And as I'm saying, as I'm asking that question, I know, as you know, the importance of people connecting to their indigenous bloodline because they have that, everyone has one and we all have this amazing wisdom from them and medicine. Um, what do you say about people who are European or white race or white skin, however they want to identify, who are using traditions from a different lineage, let's say yours, and through that they reconnect to their indigeneity? Tell me about that. How does this work? And it's so hot and, and difficult. <laughs> so complex. It's so yes. complex. Um, I think, okay, so I can explain from like sort of my body reaction or sensation. Um, because for many years, I would see all the things, right? That the sage waved across on Instagram with the headdresses, with people not wearing any clothes or those types of things. Um, and the things that I guess where I would shake, then that, that was just eliciting something that needs to be spoken, some wisdom that needs to come and, and be resolved within me, which I did write a letter about two years ago, right? And it was it was about that that dynamic. And I think a lot of Indigenous folks believe that it's it's very black or white. It's very binary. You are not allowed to take, you're not allowed to have a spirit animal. You're not allowed to all of these things. And for me, again, that's that's very colonial in its, in its thinking. I'm also not the smudge police or the animal spirit police. That is just not my role here. And for some folks, I think it is. Um, but I, I believe it's between you and your creator, whoever, whoever that connection is for you, um, how you're going to use these, um, these medicines. I also understand why folks are so drawn to indigenous medicines, like um, native, you know, native American medicines or um, however you want to say that because of the beauty and the connection. And we're just searching for connection. Mm -hmm. So appreciation to me, and this is my only through my experience with my communities is knowing the land that you're on, the issues that first nations people have, indigenous people have still on turtle Island, holding that as part of the truth 
if you're going to use some of these medicines, just having the fullness of the experience and, and knowing, um, knowing the history, um, knowing what's going on still, current issues. I think those things are very important. Um, if you're going to be, if you're going to be kind of accessing some of those that are not sort of yours in that way, um, I think that's how you can do maybe less harm because you're not co-opting or taking or using it for your own, your own profit and your own being. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I just, I, I think like if I was to please everyone, I wouldn't know what their relation is with, you know, relationship is like with their creator or what their the medicines are using. But it's really important to know about the, what's currently happening with indigenous people in your, in your country. I think that's mm-hmm. vital. So that's all I sort of ask like, in my communities, you know, if you're going to use the smudge protocol or you're going to use this um, ceremony, can you also like f- listen to me when I speak about the missing word indigenous women? Can you also listen to me when I speak about the lack of clean water mm-hmm. or the lack of access to period products? Like those types of things in my community are like, yes, we can. So mm-hmm. that is, I guess, another sort of boundary that is, that is set that it's just the whole, the whole, the wholeness of it all is really important. It's so whole. As you're saying it, I'm thinking it's just so holistic and healthy to do it that way, right? It, it's like when I think of um, modern medicine, you know, how maybe um, a medicine or a, even an over-the-counter something and kind of like mask the symptom, you don't get to deal with the whole piece. If I'm just using sage, yet I don't understand the laws that are keep prohibiting people 80 years ago from using sage, who was, it was their medicine. I'm not with the wholeness of the lineage of the trauma and the beauty. And I think to hold the trauma and the wisdom, it, it, it makes for, talk about that word bypassing, it brings us into a more embodied reality, um, right? And then I imagine we start relating to each other from the reality where we are, and then we can rebuild, hopefully, and heal. Yeah. And again, that's not about like, I'll have a lot of people come to me and say like, I'm so sorry for what my ancestors did to you. And I'm just like, well, that's not, I mean, thank you, but that's not really where I'm going to right? It's just yeah. like, how do we bring that? How do we, how do we do, what do we do with that now? What do we do with that now? And if we're stuck in shame and guilt, we are not going to take any moves forward. Um, I don't believe, but if we can like, if we can use that broken heartedness, I always think about hearts like breaking open mm-hmm. to allow more love to come through. And that's what's going to nourish like our conversations and our planet. I hope. I, could, I couldn't agree more. And, and when you say like shame and blame and guilt, they somatically, they cause freeze. They become, you become immobile. You become um, um, dissociated because it's so painful the charge that comes in when you're shamed and there's a lineage everyone has attached to shame it's you know it's universal we withdraw from situations we can't learn we can't be honest i really prefer people come into a space like you create with boundaries with guidelines and make mistakes and and um say things that are triggering and inappropriate even to get it out so it can be held and then it can be metabolized Otherwise, there's like a withholding, so you're not upsetting somebody, but you haven't actually learned or transformed anything that way, have you? Oh, I love that. I prefer that too. I prefer, yeah, that's the wholeness. That's the wholeness. And I think even as you say the trauma and the beauty, like that is within ourselves too, right? Because if we're if we're bypassing that and just sort of living on this in this space where we're bypassing all the trauma, then yes, we're not moving into our wholeness, which is the work that you do so beautifully. So yeah, all of that is just, I resonate with that so deeply. 
Asher, I would love to have you on again and collaborate with you in some way. I mean, I just, I love the work you do. It feels so at home in my body and heart. Mm-hmm. So I really thank you for coming here and speaking to us and giving us your heart today. Thank you for having me. It's been such a pleasure. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. My question for you is, where do you feel the episode? Take a breath and just notice. What's your body doing right now? Sit with it. Let it speak to you. And let whatever comes up, come up. And your only job is to listen. For all the wisdom you need is right inside of you. For more information on my work, including my online courses and healing circles, please visit holisticlifenavigation.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook, where I share weekly philosophies and resources to help you release stress and trauma from your body so that you can live a happier life. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll see you next time. Did you know your food cravings are actually a doorway to your subconscious? They are. We tend to see cravings as something bad or something we just give into mindlessly. But when you embody your cravings, you're able to notice they're just blossoming from a certain place that has a certain need and needs your attention. Join me on Wednesday, May 29th, as I unpack this in a new webinar called Cravings Destigmatized. In this webinar, I'll help you learn the difference between a nutritional craving and an emotional craving, as well as how do we use cravings to get in touch with our unmet needs and any of our unconscious, unprocessed emotional experiences. It begins at 4 p.m. Eastern, and everyone who registers will get a replay. You can find the link in the episode details, and you can also go to www.holisticlifenavigation.com and click on events, and the information is right there. Hope to see you there.